joy to be here today with you people. I'm a good friend of Scotty Griffiths. I saw Gordon here before. Is he gone? Okay. And I have um, Lindsay and Joe Enderby from Serena here today. And uh, another pastor, Tom, and and uh, I was going to say Gordon. All right, I want to talk to you today about the Rebecca Principle on how to walk the second mile. In a moment, we'll read from Genesis 24, one of the most remarkable stories in the Bible. And I encourage you to read it uh, totally, not while I'm preaching, but uh, when you get home. Now you can do that. There was a survey done many years back as to determine why people live longer. And the number one thought that came through as to why people live longer was work satisfaction. That was the key. If you want to live longer, work satisfaction. Hands up those who don't believe they're going to live very long. Not too many are happy in their work today. Let me tell you, there's a lot of stress around uh, in trying to find a job and then holding a job. My personal experience, I've said for a number of years, there's no such thing as security in a job anymore. Unless you're working for the government. And um, there are about 170 public servants in Canberra who are earning more than the Prime Minister. Even our health lady here is getting 500000 a year. But I, I still believe that there's no such thing as a permanent job. With um, the way our world's going these days and with Russia sending their ships along toward Ukraine or their tanks and then China and whatever, who knows how long we've got in this world. And... Uh, Many of us, I guess, would love to die peacefully like the Duke of Edinburgh and uh, that he's got to stand before God and give an account as to how he lived his life. Thank God, God's the judge. And uh, there'd be a lot of people that uh, if it was up to my congregation, (laughs) I probably wouldn't get into heaven. But I thank God that he's the judge and he knows our hearts and he knows our motives. So the only security we have these days is our faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. That's the good news. So there are warning signs of stress in the workforce today, uh, like rapid pulse. Um, There can be uh, like a a lot of sickness. People take sickies because of stress in the workplace. Uh, There is um, uh, lack of sleep or just unable to sleep. And then there's the presence of, uh, or the pressure of being politically correct. And I'm not one of those people who is politically correct. I hope I don't have any people here uh, who are going to be taking notes and going to refer me to the National Board or whatever. But, uh, and then you've got the pressure now of uh, sexual harassment and all that sort of stuff that you've only got to look at a woman for about five seconds and then you could be dismissed. So that's, that's just the way our world is going, unfortunately. 
I heard a story of a little girl who uh, in grade one was telling her teacher that her dad had to bring work home every day from school. And uh, when the father got home and she said, Dad, why, why, why is it that you, when you come home, you bring a lot of work home from the office? And he said, well, dear, it's because um, I have so much work to do that I have to bring it home to get all the work done. And then she said to her dad, well, Dad, why don't they put you in a slower group so you don't have to do all that sort of stuff? But anyway... So what I want to share today is a uh, really a life-changing principle on the Rebecca principle, is what I've called it. It'll not only help you in your work, but also it'll help you in your relationships with other people. So whether you're employed or unemployed, whether you're thinking today of a career change, whether you're married or unmarried, whether you're a volunteer in this church, or a leader in this church, a different approach to our work could make all the difference. So Genesis 24 is a great story. Abraham's getting old. Sarah, his wife, has died. And Isaac is about 40 years of age. And it's the job in biblical times for the parents to select the life's partner for the son. And I think it still happens in some countries today where the parents... uh, Choose the life's partner. Now, I'm a grandparent and I'm a great-grandparent and I think that's a great idea. I would love to choose um, a wife for my grandson. This has not been recorded, is it? <laughs> oh, I won't say any more. <laughs> I got butt out. So... Abraham sends his servant. Now, the Bible doesn't tell us who the servant is, but the footnotes, many commentators say it was Eliezer. Eliezer was a good friend of Abraham. He was from Damascus, a trusted servant. And so Abraham sends his servant um, and says to his servant, I want you to go to my home country, my own clan, and choose a wife for my son." find a life partner for my son. You see, Abraham doesn't want his son to marry a non-believer. He doesn't want his son to be unequally yoked with an unbeliever. And it can cause a lot of stress, let me tell you, if that does happen. And so he says to his servant, go home to my own town, my own country, and choose and find a life's partner. What what are what are Tremendous task that is to do that. And so we pick up the story from Genesis 24. I'm going to read from verses 10 to 21. Normally uh, I would have all that stuff on the screen, but uh, we're not going to do that today. So let me read to you. And then the servant took 10 of his master's camels and left, taking with him all kinds of good things from from his master. And he set out for Aram. And uh, it's in the area of Mesopotamia and all those other big words there. The town of Nahor. And he made the camels kneel down near the well outside the town and it was towards evening, the time that the women go out to draw water. 
And then he prayed, O Lord God of my master Abraham, give me success today and show kindness to my master Abraham. See, I am standing beside the spring and the daughters of the townspeople are coming out to draw water. May it be that when I say to a girl, please let down your jar that I might have a drink. And she says, drink and I'll draw water for your camels too. Very important. Let her be the one you have chosen for your servant Isaac. And by this I will know that you have shown kindness to my master. And before he had finished praying, Rebecca came out with her jar on her shoulder and she was the daughter of Bethuel, son of Milcah, who was the wife of Abraham's brother Nahor. And so the girl was very beautiful. She was a virgin and no man had ever slept with her. And she went down to the spring, filled up her jar and came up again. And the servant hurried over to meet her and said, please give me a little water from your jar. (laughs) This is where your shirt runs up your back when you read this, let me tell you. And she says, drink my Lord. She said and quickly lowered the jar to her hands and gave him a drink. And after she had given him a drink, she said, I'll draw water for your camels too. (laughs) How exciting is that? How unbelievably good is that? And so she quickly emptied the jar into the trough and ran back to the drawer enough water for all his camels. Remember, there were 10 of them. And without saying a word, the man watched her closely to learn whether or not the Lord had made his journey successful. Isn't that an exciting reading? My God, that is blessing to that. And you read on. <clears throat> to the end of the chapter. Incredible story. So the key verse here is, I'll draw water for your camels too until they have finished drinking. So I want you to understand today the willingness of Rebecca to go the second mile. Now you have to understand, as I said, there were 10 camels And they would drink up to 20 to 30 gallons of water each. Now, a gallon was around about, what, four litres? So you think of it, there could have been 800 to 1,000 litres of water to feed those 10 camels, which would take about one and a half to two hours. I think if we can take a camel to drink 20 20 gallons around about 10 minutes. So if she had 10. So you can add up all the maths there. And uh, seeing that I I failed maths at school, uh, you can work it out for yourself and you'll find that I'll be correct. But anyway. (laughs) So that's with the story. So here is a lady who sees a stranger, not only gives what is asked of her, but voluntarily and willingly looks at this stranger and says, I will also like to take care of the camels if you would allow me to. Now, this is the Rebecca Pinsel principle. I'll do what you ask 
and then some. That's the second mile. I'll give you a drink of water and water your camels also. You contrast, folks, that statement with what we with the philosophy in the marketplace, in the workforce. Some may be tempted to say, I'm going to do the least that is expected of me and I'm going to try to get the most payment for it. Minimum effort, maximum return. And as believers, we should have a higher standard, not only in the marketplace, but also in the church. Now, I understand in two or three weeks' time, it's Labor Day here. I think uh, Queensland have Labor Day in early May. And here the unions will be out to uh, try to get <laughs> uh, security in, their, in the workplace for their, for their members. I'm not sure whether they're trying to get uh, maximum effort or maximum payment for minimum effort, I'm not sure. Try to reduce the hours and get as much pay. So here we go. And as believers, we should have a higher standard, I believe, in the church. I I remember in Time magazine many, many years back, they did an article as to um, why America America has fallen in a bit of a heap. Sorry, Joe, but this is uh, many years back. And I'm not sure whether they've improved or gone backwards since then. But in the car manufacturer, there was a built-in price of 25% because they didn't make that car right the first time. You paid a quarter of the price knowing that they think that that car would be recalled sometime in its life. A built-in price because of maybe shoddiness in work. So I'm not too sure whether we're any better out here in Australia. Well, we don't make anything out here anymore anyway. So we need to look at this principle and see how it applies to our lives. And then whatever the Bible says, the Scriptures say that whatever your hand finds to do, do it with all of your might. And when Jesus gave that sermon on the mount, he taught that our righteousness should exceed that of the Pharisees. Now we know that the Pharisees were the legalists. They were the clock punchers. They were the ones that looked at their watch all the time and made sure that they did just exactly what was asked of them, nothing more and nothing less. But then Jesus went on to say in the Sermon on the Mount, he talked about the cheek. And as believers, we need to turn the other cheek. And then he went on and talked about the coat. And he said, if someone needs it, give them your coat. And then he went on and talked about the second mile. And as Christians, we need to walk that second mile. So when Jesus talked about it, the Jews knew exactly what he was talking about because the Jews were under Roman authority. And that soldier, the Roman soldiers could come along and ask you to do something and you would have to do it. And if they were down the street and uh, they needed someone to help carry stuff, they would ask you to carry that 
Because technically they owned you for that mile, for that first time, for the first mile. And after that, they couldn't ask you to do any more. And so they knew exactly what was uh, what Jesus was on about. So uh, you had to walk the first mile and it was law. And once that mile was over, they couldn't ask you to go further. But Jesus then went on and taught us that in life, the Christian walks the second mile. You may go and punch in the clock and the boss may own you for that mile or for that day and that you've got to do things that uh, you've been asked to do. Otherwise, if you don't do it, you'll get fired. But Jesus was saying the difference between the Christian and the non-Christian is that the Christian walks the second mile and does that little bit extra that causes the person over them to say, wait a minute, why are they doing that? They don't have to do that little bit extra. <clears throat> and if we operated under the Rebecca principle, we would not only have excellence in the workplace, but we would have people who would be hiring us, asking us on the questionnaire, are you a Christian? <laughs> are you a Christian? Now, it happened to me. It happened to me in Melbourne many years back where I was actually looking for work and I was, this was the carpet business, in the carpet business in Mount Alexander Road in Esteban in Victoria. And the two bosses were Catholics and they had previous success with people who came from a church. And the advertising man would call in once a week and this advertising man just happened to go to the college church as it was called then in Glenroy by the name of Ballantyne. And he said, yes, well, they asked him, do you know anyone who goes to church that will be looking for a job? And he said, well, as a matter of fact, I do know someone. So he mentioned me, he mentioned the job to him. I went and then went for an interview and got the job. And then the bosses gave me privileges because of my work ethic and my sales record. So I'm not talking about sharing a faith. I'm not talking about share, uh, quoting the Scriptures. But if we as Christians would do, would get into the marketplace and give maximum effort and do the very best and walk the second mile, I promise you that employees, employers would be coming to our church on a Sunday, not because of the good preaching, not because we're a Bible-believing church, but because they would see lives of people who would be drastically different than a lazy, apathetic, just-get-by attitude that is prevalent in our society today. Jesus says, if you want to be a witness in the marketplace, quit quoting Scripture. In fact, if you are not giving maximum effort, do everybody a favour and don't even tell them that you are a Christian. Give the boss the best that you can and then some 
Then tell them about Jesus and how he's changed your life. That's the order, amen? That's how it should be. So how does the second mile work, principle work in our lives? Well, a couple of points here. Number one is that we are not to live our life or our lives by the measuring rod. We're always measuring like, uh, oh, he's doing less than I am or he's getting paid more than I am and all that sort of stuff. And the Pharisees were the legals, you know, they were the Pharisees were the ones who would punch the clock and do nothing more than was required of them. But we cannot walk that second mile until we can walk the first and do a good, good job of that. I was reading in Colossians recently, in chapter 3, verse 23, and it says, Whatever you do, work at it with all of your heart as working for the Lord and not men. In other words, if we could regard work as an act of worship or service to God, such an attitude would take some of the drudgery and the boredom out of it. Think of it. We look at our work as our employment, as a believer, as an act of worship. Maybe a number of us would like to start all over again. Never thought of that. But that's what it is. As a believer... The second thing is that extra blessing comes from extra effort. What we put in is what we get out. Forget about the job for a moment. What about the marriage? If every husband and wife could understand this principle and walk the second mile and go and do for their spouse not just what is required of them but doing that little bit extra just because you want to and because you love them, the divorce courts would dry up if we would understand this principle. Marriages fall apart, not when we want to do something extra for our spouse. They fall apart when we sit around waiting for our spouse to do something extra for us. Amen. Thank you, Lord. I appreciate that encouragement. Are you with me? Three words that make a difference and then some. Successful people do what is expected of them and then some. Successful marriages, they do what is expected of them and then some. Successful students do what's expected of them and then some. Those who are volunteers in the church do what's expected of them and then some. Not, it's not my job. It's not how little I must do. Because I can tell you that attitude will kill you. What would happen if we all became second mile people, if we became like Rebecca? We would receive more from life, more from others, more from God than we would ever think possible. And that's why 
People who are not givers in life never receive anything at all. Because Rebecca gave more than was was expected of her, she received more than she expected. Now, not only did she not only know who this servant was and what his mission was, she had no idea what going that second mile would do for her for the rest of her life. Little did she realise that statement, I'll take care of your camels also, would do for her. Little did she realise that that statement would allow her to marry a man by the name of Isaac and allow her to be the great, 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 great grandmother of Jesus, the Messiah. That's where it becomes significant because of this dear lady's willingness to do the little bit extra and be obedient. Jesus says in the last days when the master looks at the sheep, the believers, he's going to say something like this, thank you for clothing me. And we'll say, clothe you? When on earth did we do that? And he's going to say, thanks for giving me food. And we're going to say, when on earth did we do that? And Jesus says, when you do the extra things unto others with the right motives is when we become Rebecca people, second mile people. You're doing that little bit extra for me, Jesus says. Now, I know there are a lot of people today who do not like their jobs. Probably nor their spouses, nor life in general, because they have not learned that Rebecca principle. So in closing, I want to give you five things that Rebecca teaches us. You ready? If you're taking notes. Five things. Don't despise, number one, don't despise the little jobs. Did you know that every evening she did the same thing and drew water from the well for the family? She had to do it twice a day, actually. Every morning she went and every evening she went out to the well and did that. Excuse the pun, but it was boring. Getting the water from the well. And Jesus says we have to be faithful in the little things or the few things in order to be ruler over more or many things. Many want the big job or the big position or the big salary and jump straight up to it. But let me tell you that if you don't do your best in the small things, you won't do your best in the bigger ones when they come along. You'll cut corners and become sloppy. And then secondly, don't wait for the big moments. Some people are saying, I can hardly wait to get away from this well. I've got to get down by the city gate where all the action is and the big decisions are made for that big job to come along and for that big break in life. But let me tell you that if you're not happy with what you're doing now, you will not be happy with what you're going to do tomorrow. Happiness is not a position in the church. 
happiness or in the company. Happiness is an attitude. Happiness is a choice you make. Happiness is a byproduct of doing what is right. Some single people would say, well, when I get married, I'm going to be happy. No, you're not. If you're not happy when you're single, you will not be happy when you're married. And if you're married, you'll only make somebody else unhappy. Number three, help people and you'll always be a blessing. Now, I know some are going to love this. What a prayer this song says. Out on the highways and byways of life, many are weary and sad. Carry the sunshine where darkness is rife, making the sorrowing glad. Tell the sweet story of Christ and his love. Tell of his power to forgive. Others will trust him if only you prove true every moment you live. Give us to us given to you in your need. Love as the master loved you. But to the helpless, a helper indeed, unto your mission be true. Make me a blessing. Make me a blessing out of my life. May Jesus shine. Make me a blessing, O Saviour, I pray. Make me a blessing to someone today. You know the song? Great song, great prayer. Number four, do your best and then some. Whatever you do in the church, whatever you do in the home or your job, give it your best effort and then some. And then number five, when God opens the door, go through it, walk through it. When God gives you the opportunity and you have the right attitude and you're mature, walk through that door. God is promoting you. God is blessing you. You look at Rebecca. We don't have the time to read the rest of that chapter, but in, in verses down about 54 to even to the end of the chapter, uh, here's the brother of Rebecca. Here's the mother of Rebecca. Wanted her to stay for another 10 days in lockdown or whatever it was. After the servant told them of how God miraculously led him to Rebecca and she said exactly the same thing as as his prayer said. And they agreed, they, they even acknowledged that the Lord God was in this. God had miraculously answered and led you to our sister and our daughter, Rebecca. Even after they knew that, they said, let us stay another 10 days. <laughs> and then, then the servant said, oh, don't do that to me. After God had already acknowledged that this is the one. <laughs> you have to read it. I'll tell you what, it's just wonderful stuff. And then they said, the brother and the mum said, well, well, let's go and ask her what she wants to do. <laughs> and she said, 
no, I'll go now, I'll go now. The door was open, she walked through that door. And so they sent Rebecca on her way along with her nurse and Abraham's servant and his men with their blessing. And she hopped on one of the camels that she gave her water to. Think of it. Her motives were right and she was the second mile person and now God opened the door and she said, I'm going to walk right through that door. <clears throat> we're up at Caloundra about a month ago. It's raining like cats and dogs as it does every day when you go on holidays. We had 10 inches in two days, I think, back in the rainbow where we were. I guess this place was flooded out here. But we had nothing to do one day. It was a Tuesday. Never stopped raining. So we decided to go to Kiwana Water Shopping Centre. And uh, so we found a park and walked in there and it was around about lunchtime and I didn't know whether we were hungry or not. But in one of the uh, hallways of the shopping mall, I saw from a distance the sign Jamaica Blue. And I thought, oh, I've been to there. I have a place up at Malulabar, Jamaica Blue. So I thought, well, we'll go along and have a wander down there. And, and here was the stand outside with the menu on it. There were people seated inside and there were people seated outside in the hallway. So while we were looking there, this lovely young waitress came up and said, um, oh, welcome. And uh, look, if you find something that you like, uh, just go down a little way there and the lady will serve you. So I thought, oh, well, she was quite nice. And I thought because she was nice, we may as well find something here eat here and we found something. So my wife <laughs> went and sat down outside, found a table there and I waited in line to be served. And while I was waiting in line, this lovely young waitress came out with two glasses of water and took them straight out to our table where my wife was. And I thought, how good is that? She did what was right and she watered our camels too. Anyway. Um, you have to think about it for a bit. Um, and <laughs> so we, we enjoyed our food. And then after I went down to her, I found her waiting and I said, excuse me, I just wanted you to tell us uh, a thank you today for making us feel welcomed. If it hadn't have been for you, we may not have eaten here. And she said... Thank you, you've made my day. It's just doing that little bit extra that I think made the difference. I don't know whether she was a Christian or not, but she had a Rebecca principle. She had a smile and uh, she won us over. So I'd just like us to pray as we close. So Lord Jesus, I pray today that you'd help us to be Rebecca people that we did our job and then some. He was a wonderful husband and then some. So Lord, help us to walk into the marketplace tomorrow with a smile and a good spirit and extra effort that will glorify your name. Amen. Amen.